Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 220th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb Brooks straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today to recap Carolina's 63-59 win last night. At Notre Dame, we'll 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 take a look at the box score. We'll play audio from Hubert Davis and dive a little bit deeper into the game. But you know, buddy, this uh, this was something that you know. I think one thing that those of you that have listened to me over the years, I, I say that you know, really good teams they 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 build towards something, and how they win matters. The way that it looks matters. Uh, this team isn't in a position to say how it looks matters. Right now, all they got to do is just win. And that was my biggest takeaway last night. I didn't care that they shot 9% from three. I mean, I did care, but it didn't bother me that they shot 33, 33%. I didn't, it, it, I didn't care because the only thing that mattered last night was they outscored the opponent, which is ultimately the most important thing, and uh, this team comes away with a very much-needed road victory heading into a very important game at home against Virginia this upcoming weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the best way to put it. I mean, look, I got to be honest with you, definitely not thrilled with the performance at all. Um, I am stunned that it has not hurt them more in terms of the bracketology and where they stand today because – that Notre Dame team, as we saw last night, and, and give credit to Carolina in certain areas on the defensive end of the floor, but that team is pathetically terrible. Like, that team, the, the way they're playing right now, that team might be, I, I mean, them. I, I know Louisville has been playing teams tough, too, similar to them. 
But I don't know, man. They might be better than Louisville, or Louisville might be better than them at this point. They are bad, bad. So, I mean, it kind of feels like Carolina just survived one. But you're right. I think at this point, the way that you should look at it is, hey, if you survive one, but and and then you go on the you or you go back home, and you do the same thing to Virginia, nobody's going to care. That's a good win then. So. Yeah, I mean, you're just kind of hoping that maybe this starts to turn things in the right direction, but I feel like a lot of people are kind of sitting here today thinking, yeah, it's a win, and that's exactly what Carolina needed to keep themselves at least in position to capitalize on the two quad one opportunities that they have as of right now. But, damn, that was ugly. It doesn't matter. All they had to, they had nothing to gain last night and every and everything to lose. And at, at halftime, it looked like they had lost it all because at, at twenty-seven to nineteen and shooting a program worse, nineteen percent in the first half. They they like they missed they missed more shots. You're talking about than, a, a, than the percentage number this, that they had. This team returned four starters <sighs> from last year's team, and they have set program lows multiple different times in multiple different categories and I think all of us as as, as a fan base we were just kind of sitting there kind of just over it to be honest with you like I I didn't know if they were going to come back and win the game um just simply because of how bad they looked how lethargic they looked but you know we, we often know that in college hoops, the most important part of a game is the final eight for the final four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second. Most people that, that that cover the game they call that the middle eight. And Carolina lost the first half of the of the of the, of the, the middle eight, and then they won the second half. But the, what the part that they won was more important because they came out and they made a twenty nine or a twenty seven nineteen deficit. Quickly, thirty-one to thirty, and that's when you knew right then and there. Okay, they were they were re-engaged. They had their energy. They were doing it on the defensive end of the court, and they just kept plugging along. And it wasn't, by God, it wasn't pretty by any means. But if you go back and you look at most of Carolina's wins against Notre Dame in uh, in that building, most of them aren't pretty. It's a weird place to go on the road and win. Uh, whether they're good, like well, like when they're good, it's a really tough place to go win. Because that 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 environment can get lively when they're bad like they are this year. It's kind of like a Midwestern Boston College where it's just a really weird vibe. It's a weird setup, and Carolina was just able to overcome all of the the bad things and and make the few plays that they had to make down the stretch to win the game. I I, I thought the most impressive thing they did last night, and this is something they haven't done all season long is they stayed engaged defensively while their offense was absolute putrid. Like, we have seen other games this year that when they've shot the ball like they did in that first half, they quit defensively, and they were they were getting beaten. And that didn't happen last night. I mean, you gave up 27 points. You didn't give up a basket until almost six minutes had gone by to start the game. So they were locked in. Um, I, I, I thought for the most part, the game plan was really, really strong outside of this reluctance to go under ball screens against a team that shot 36% from three with four guys that shot 38% or better from behind the arc. 
But I thought that was the difference, really, in the game, was that was that as much as we're talking about how bad Carolina was on offense, and there's no mistaking that it was bad, they were really, really good defensively, as good as they've been in a game all season long. And, you know, when you do that on the road and you do that in this conference, I do think that is something that can carry over into a game against Virginia, a road game next weekend against Florida State, a home game against Duke to end the year. Because now they can look in the mirror and say, well, even when we compete defensively and we're on shots aren't falling, we can still win. And that hasn't happened at any point this year. Is when, when shots haven't fallen, they have usually gotten beaten because that, that energy, that effort, that toughness doesn't carry over defensively. That didn't happen last night, and that's the biggest reason why they escaped South Bend with a season-saving win. I mean, I think they played good off or defensively. I just, I just think they ran into a team that's terrible, man. They, I mean, they, there is no way around it. They that held, team, but they held a team to forty percent shooting and thirty percent shooting from three. Oh, but they had plenty of looks that they should have been able to knock down. They just have players that aren't talented enough. Well, you're talking about like, the same core that last year was second in the league. That Notre Dame's had the same thing Carolina's had, but they, it's more that their shots haven't fallen, and they don't have the size Carolina has to compete when they don't make shots. That's why Carolina effectively won the game last night. Yeah, because they rebounded the ball incredibly well, especially on the offensive end late in the game. Um, I mean, yeah, no, I'm I'm not saying that they weren't good defensively, but, like, I I just – I wonder – and, look, the the team they're matching up with next, I think you should be able to build off of this performance because that team just scored 48 points last night on the road at Boston College. I know Boston College is a team that's fighting hard under Earl Grant, who we all love and we think is you know a guy that could eventually potentially uh, become one of those guys that uh, is you know towards the middle of the pack that uh, people respect really really well in the ACC. But I mean, we can agree that's not a tougher place to go and win a game than Carolina, right? Like. I know that I, I know Carolina has been struggling here lately, but still, you have to feel pretty good about Carolina and the way that they played at home for the majority of the season. So that's the thing that Carolina has to carry over. Is you know, I, I thought one of the things they did a really good job of last night, for the most part, was transition defense. And I know Notre Dame's not the the quickest pace team in the country by any stretch of the imagination, but there were still some poor shots, some turnovers that led to opportunities for Notre Dame. And I thought Carolina did a good job of getting back and contesting a lot of those shots. So they definitely deserve some credit. It's just you wonder, would they be able to do that against a team that, is, that, that isn't as, as just as terrible on the offensive end? Like, we knew that coming into the game, that Notre Dame was not a good offensive team. And they showed that again last night. I think really the biggest thing for them, um, you know, as you mentioned, similar to Carolina, they have no depth. When they bring guys in off the bench, they have absolutely nobody that can score the ball. So... I think we saw that at times, but yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to these guys, especially, you know, especially early in the game, you know, Carolina, I thought did a really good job um, holding these guys scoreless for the first six minutes. I think we were more frustrated with the fact of how in the world is Carolina holding them 
to no points on that end of the floor, but somehow they're not able to do anything on the offensive end of the floor. And, you know, I I, I think this team, they found a way to do something that has been an issue for them at times trying to come back in some of these games which is not only early in that second half were they able to score on their end of the floor, but they were able to string it together with stops on the defensive end of the floor. And I thought that was huge for Carolina. It allowed them to get back into the game. And to be honest, I don't. I thought they played really well defensively in the second half. I think offensively yet again, it was better. It was a better half, but I still think that some of your shot selection is what allowed Notre Dame to keep themselves in the game. Well, if 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 this season's going to get saved, and and I mean now making it a you know calling it successful would probably mean a run to the making Sweet the t- making the tournament. Um, no, that wouldn't be deemed successful. That that's that's but right now. That's a low bar. That's a success for this team. No, that's, because that's I'm gonna ex- no. That's a low bar. But if if they're dude, you just said on the last edition this team's not making the tournament. If this team makes the tournament, I'm not saying they should be. They should I'm not celebrate. I'm not calling it a, a success though. Who the hell would be calling it, it? No, 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 no. Don't get this wrong. You just no, said that would make it a successful season. That would make it a success. That's calling it a success. For where they are at right now. But if you if we're talking at the end of the season and you're sitting down and saying was this a successful season? If they don't win the national title, it's not a successful season. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, we set that expectation before the season, and and, and expectations change. And right now, no, they don't. Not know, for this squad. There's, there's, sorry, there's, man. There's clearly better teams in your conference. There's clearly better teams in the country. But like, if they're even going to come close to their whatever that potential is, and I think now that potential is a Sweet 16 team, and that's about it. The recipe was there in the second half. And that's that's scrapping, that's scrapping, playing through your guards and playing through your bigs, because whenever they went to their high low game, and look, you're going to face teams at some point that have more size than Notre Dame. Not many, you know. Not even Virginia has a lot more size than Notre Dame. Florida State has more size, and then Duke, of course, has 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 a lot of size. But whenever they went to that. And they played through, believe it or not, Pete Nance as the primary uh, ball, you know, or the, the the primary initiator of the offense, and, and into Armando Baycott, it looked better because you got better shots, you got the ball to the rim, you got the ball up and around the rim, and at some point, Carolina's best offense was their second chance offense. That was a staple under Roy Williams for 18 years, was that most of the time they weren't going to score on their initial shot, but they were going to score off of rebounding their own misses and and going back up. And so that's the one thing, like Huber Davis has talked about, tweaks and alters and pivots. That's the one thing that that's a non-negotiable. That's your best offense. I know that's not the way he wants to play, and I know that's not the way that he envisions him running his program, but right now that's what's best for his team is to get the ball out of the hands of Caleb Love and R.J. Davis as entry passers and let 
let Pete Nance be that guy because he's your best entry passer on the team, which isn't a bad thing because of his size and his his versatility. We got told that in the in the in the summer that he was the most complete best basketball player on the roster. It hasn't come to fruition the way we want it to and the way we need it to, but that's one element that you know you're putting him in a position to be successful. And so that's the one thing I looked at and said, okay. If we if we can make this what we who we are and what we're gonna do, then I could see this team beating Virginia at home. I could see this team beating Duke at home. I could see this team winning one or two games, maybe three games in the ACC tournament. And then yeah, I could see them making the second weekend in the NCAA's because not many teams have the 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 size, the length, and the versatility that Carolina's front court has. I mean, all the, between Le- Leaky, Nance. And Baycott, all three had double digit rebounds last night. All three of them. Yeah. First time, first time clearly all year. And that's a first time in a while, even even in some of the late Roy Williams days, uh, where we've seen three different guys have double digit rebounds. So, you know, is is it pretty? No. Is it sexy? No. Is it effective? Yes. Does it help you win ball games? Yes. I don't care if it's sexy, because guess what? Sexy basketball as it's called, which is the more modern game, which is basically three-point heavy. Uh, Have you seen this team shoot the ball? I would like to never see this team shoot a basketball ever again. These guys, when this season is over, or at least when their careers are over, you should never shoot a basketball ever again. Wow. Because, my God, this team just sucks at shooting perimeter shots. It is horrendous. And, I I mean, last night showed it again. Two of 23 from beyond the arc. So, yes, the solution is to go inside. And somebody suggested this to me, and I was hard-headed. I didn't think it would work, mainly because I thought Pete Nance, really before last night, and I think he's shown it a little bit more as we've gone throughout the season. Somebody suggested, why don't we play Pete Nance more inside? Why don't you use him as more of, you know, like, a traditional Roy Williams big like because Schubert Davis doesn't want to. But you know what though? That's you the answer. Used, you used him last night like that because you knew you had a team that was susceptible inside, and it worked. And we've seen that from him this year. Where does he knock down most of his tough shots that he hits? Those turnaround shots. It's either in the paint or it's just outside the paint, off you know off the left block. So, I, I mean, I think that's that's got to be to me. That's your strategy. Well, you got a team that's not shooting well, dude. Put guys closer to the basket. Like, look, if they want to pack the paint, that's great. We're gonna put more guys inside there too. Well, the thing is, it's not that he doesn't want to play down there. That's not what it is. It's that Hubert Davis doesn't want to play guys down there, and to a stubbornness that's really come back and it's 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 cost him games. It's bit them in the butt. But that's that that was Hubert that that's Hubert and this coaching staff making the player adapt to them and not them adapt to the player. They adapted to the player in the second half. And that's why I'm saying you use that formula where you're playing yes. high low basketball with Pete Nance as your primary initiator of the offense. It's 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 gonna be a lot more efficient, 
a lot more effective than what it is than what it is right now. And look, it's still going to be a work in progress because we've spent the last two years basically scrapping that that way we wanted to play because we're changing to a much more modern offense. And, you know, some of that is that's the way Huber wants to play. Some of that is is last year you had the personnel to play that type of way once you inserted Brady Manick into the starting lineup. Well, the tricky thing, too, is is that even off the bench, I mean, do Puff can't play that. Puff Puff can't play in the post like that. He don't have those types of po- th- those type of post moves. So like that's that's the thing is that I think even with that there's some adjusting there but yeah I mean I think we saw last night that was was easily where he, he was most successful some of those passes that he made late were outstanding and I I, I think that's that's got to be that's got to be more of a part of your offense moving forward so the the thing is also it's it's less than ideal with three games to go in the regular season. You would have liked to have to go to that just a little bit earlier, but here you are. I think the other part of it though is is man, they gotta start they gotta start hitting some of these shots. I thought Hubert Davis was right when he said that look, part of the first half struggles is still that man, you got guys that are open when they shoot. They just can't hit shots. Like at some point, in order for you to Especially if they're going to make the Sweet 16, that's why to me it's it that's a long, long shot. Um, I mean, even to make the tournament, I think because because of some of the teams you're going to have to play in the ACC tournament, you have got to find a way to start making some some open jump shots. It's it's got to start going. You don't look. You don't have to be hitting at the rate you hit last year. But I mean, you got to start knocking some of these down, right? Like you got to—I mean, can you get to six, maybe seven threes a game? Even that would be that—that uh, that would be a heck of a lot better for this team. I—I I mean, be smart with the shots you're taking. But if they're there, some of those looks they had in the first half, you got to knock those down, man. Yeah, I mean, you know how hard it is to shoot shots and make shots. I mean, yeah, but like it's not, it's not like they're purposely missing shots. Am I saying that? I'm not saying that. I'm saying you just, again, it goes back to what we've heard from Joel Berry. If you're going to take the shot, you have to be tough enough to make them sometimes. And, like, it's it's gotten to a point this year. And, like, that's the thing. I'm not saying for the most part that these guys can control that because they can. It's mostly, like... This team's just got to start getting a little bit more luck when they shoot some of those shots. It's well, got to start going down for them. It's also good offense breeds breeds shot making. When you when you play the type of offense that that Carolina's played this year, you shouldn't be rewarded with the ball going in the basket. You 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 run better offense, and I I guarantee you the ball's going to find the hoop a, a a lot more frequently than what it has so far because the ball has a tricky way of rewarding itself when the ball knows when it's being moved it knows when it's doing what it's supposed to do that's what it knows when it's supposed to go in the hoop or not when you're playing isolation basketball with guys who aren't good enough to beat you one-on-one you're not going to get rewarded for bad offense it's never happened it's not going to happen that's why what you saw in the second half needs to be the way that this team plays moving forward Take a look at the box score here for Carolina, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And the heel shot just 33% for the game. They were 23 of 69, which is a nice number. Compared to 40% shooting of Notre Dame, they were 23 of 58. 
Anthony just referenced the three-point shooting, two of 23, uh, just 9%, but they held Notre Dame to seven of 23 for 30%. Uh, probably the biggest difference in the game outside of the rebounding was the foul shooting. Carolina 15 of 18. Uh, Notre Dame just six of nine. Both teams, nine turnovers. Carolina scored 11 points off of Notre Dame miscues. Notre Dame just nine points off of nine heels miscues. Rebounding Carolina 52-33, 29-25 on the defensive glass, 23-8 on on the offensive glass, which led to 23 second chance points compared to just nine for the Irish. Their, their bench did outscore Carolina's 23-2, uh, but points in the paint, 34-26 Carolina. Fast break points, 9-4 Carolina. Uh, both teams had three steals or three blocks, Carolina five steals, Notre Dame four. The Heels had eight assists on 23 made baskets, so roughly one-third of their baskets were assisted upon. And then Notre Dame 10 assists on their 23 made baskets. Uh, And Carolina led for 22 minutes, 29 seconds. Notre Dame led for 15 minutes and 15 seconds. We referenced a lot about some stuff Huber Davis has or hasn't said so far this season. Let's now get into his quote of the game where he talked about what went wrong for them in the first half and what changed in the second half. For the most part, I felt like we got we got good looks. Look, at the end of the day, they were packing it in. So they had two to three people around Armando driving the lane there's two or three people in the lane and the only way that you can open that up is is make some jump shots and we had wide open looks in the first half and we didn't make them we didn't really make them in the second half but the thing we we got we got Armando the ball and I felt like he worked even harder he did in the first half worked even harder to get lower position so he can just go right into his basket and then our second chance opportunities and we were really good from the free throw line this was uh this is one of the more times I think in his young coaching career where he was very blunt after a defeat. Uh, I listened to his press his, his post game interview with Jones Angel on the Tar Heel Sports Network, and if you didn't know the the result, you'd thought Carolina got you'd have thought Carolina lost because he was very blunt. Um, he sounded a little animated. There was a lot of Roy Williams, I thought, in the way he just handled last night. He wasn't very demonstrative on the sidelines, but they showed him at one point in the first half where we did absolutely nothing for 30 seconds and re- resulted in a shot clock. And they panned over to him, and he was just standing there. And you could, you could, you could feel the glare. That was like the anger and the the pissed offness. Oh, he had multiple times where he ran his hand through his uh, non-existent hair. Yeah, uh, he was not happy. Yeah. And then in the post game, I thought this was, you know, it was very blunt. He was very, he was happy that they won, but still upset with how they played. And I think that's a lot of him is his maturing. Um, you know, I know we ripped him after the messaging after the NC State game where he sat up there and peached or preached patience and all this time when reality we've now got three games left and then the ACC tournament. But, you know, I also think some of it is there's just a reluctance to understand that it's never going to it's not going to come in for for these kids. But, you know, I really liked the way he just handled the game after the game, because, you know, I don't think we were in a mood to listen to, you know, 
positive, Hubert, because of the way that Carolina played. There was that, okay, we won the game, and here's how we won the game, but also this is why we put ourselves in a position to lose a game we can't afford to lose. Well, see, I think that's the thing is we haven't really been able to see much of that because Carolina has lost a lot of these key swing games and I think he sort of takes the mindset that you do see a lot of coaches take which is after an ugly win they'll be more critical than after a tough loss Um, I I just don't get that I I think it's just you're trying to keep your guys motivated because like you said I think a lot of people are angry at him I think there is there there is some respect that you have to give to his reluctance not to give in. Because if he was a coach, like if he was a coach that just said after the Miami game, "Yeah, we're done, give up," you you would be. I mean, it, most people would be complaining and saying, "Dude, what kind of coach is this?" Like, I admire the fact that he's fighting. When to be honest with you, I mean, halfway through that game last night, I was questioning if there was anybody else that 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 really cared. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I did not think with some of these guys I would be questioning that, like Armando. But there was a time last night where I asked myself, I mean, does anybody does anybody really care? And, I mean, look, you saw it even late in the game. You know, there were, you know, a, a couple of times where timeouts were called. Um, there was one in particular where he is just chewing out Armando um, not sure why, but I mean, he was just, he was letting them hear it. And I, I mean, you could tell like th- this dude, the fact that there are people that really question whether or not he actually cares, it kind of shocks me because I think, I mean, look, he's just not everybody is going to be Roy. I think that's what so many people have gotten used to, you know, and even, even Dean to a certain, to, to a certain extent, I don't really know. Cause I didn't watch Dean game in and game out like I did Roy. Like we knew, man, Roy was animated. Like there there is there is a reason why this dude had a few games where he nearly passed out on the court because he, you know, he had vertigo spells from yelling. I mean, this dude this dude got into it. Um Hubert's not like that. For the most part, you'll see certain games where it's like that. But yeah, last night was one of those games and I think that first half really just got to him where he said, look, our lives are on the line and you guys are basically just sitting back, you know, at times making me question whether or not we really care. Um, You know, but at the same time, I think as you heard there, he does a good job. He's not going to eviscerate these guys and tear them to shreds, but he's going to be, he's going to be honest. He's going to say, hey man, you know, we just we didn't make shots. We didn't we, we didn't do the things that we had to do in the first half to get the ball inside. We did in the second half, and you saw how things changed. So, I I hope yeah I, I I'm with you. I really hope that this is more of the game plan going forward. But part of it is that no matter how much he says this stuff, I don't. Sometimes I don't know if this actually is going to connect with some of these guys because there is no way that the entire season the plan has been just continue to take threes. They'll eventually fall, right? So, I mean, I don't I, know. I'd really hope not because they haven't fallen enough to keep to keep up with that mindset, but you know, I was I was talking to a guy today at work and, you know, there's no denying that 
I'm frustrated with where this season is. Just just a little. Where yeah. the team is. And a lot of that means that the frustration does does fall on Huber Davis because it's it's unfair to him, but you're you're responsible for the standard. And the standard is is to put a national title caliber product on the court. You're, the standard is for this team to play with a level of togetherness or the level of a, you know smart uh, level of basketball and, and with a level of effort that you know is, is the is the foundation of this program. And so when that doesn't happen on a consistent enough basis to mine or anyone else's Tar Heel fans liking, then yeah, we're gonna voice we're gonna voice our displeasure. But. And and I'm and I'm just as guilty as anybody about this. He's a second year head coach with a group of kids that aren't his. That he is trying to navigate and figure out how to get the most out of them. And the thing is, is that he got the most out of them a year ago. He got them as as close to winning a national title as virtually you can get. I don't think that's gonna happen this year. Uh, I mean, if he does, can we just agree, put him in the Hall of Fame already? I mean, if he does that, I mean, I mean I'd build him a statue, and I'd just rename myself Hubert Davis. But it, wow, it, that took a weird <laughs> turn. Okay, you, you sure. Know, it's just you, you Dude, know, I will, oh please, for the love of God, oh let it turn around. If you have to change your name to Hubert Davis, because I'm holding it to you, oh I would lose it. Oh HD, that was, was a good little initial thing that could really help us up. I'm HD. I mean, that could probably pick me up some chicks. Chick, chick, chicks like initial. I mean, you're uh, still, you're still you though. So I wouldn't. I would be able to say that I'm a national champion winning coach, and they can't discredit that. Well, no, no, you can't. Like, you're not stealing his identity or why something. Why not? If I'm a, why stop well, at that's, the name? Well, that's criminal. But there's a lot of things that are going on criminally in college basketball, and others getting done about wow. it. Wow. Okay. Um. Yeah. So we won, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, you okay. you took us down that path. Okay, I saw you the line. You didn't have to take. I, Clearly, I, this I is, saw the line and I crossed. This it. is a fine example of what people don't see too much on this podcast. You do a relatively good job of keeping it in check. Did I say are, anything that was wrong? You are a man that likes to take things just a little bit too far to make the situation. A little more awkward. The Eagles than sang it has a song that was a classic about take it to the limit. I saw all I do was I just take it to the no, limit. No, you go you go through the limit. But it, like getting back on track, like you know, so when it comes when it comes to Hubert, guys, f- firing him isn't going to be the answer. Like we we we've got to give him time to figure it out, put together a body of work, and if the body of work isn't good enough. Then I trust Bubba Cunningham to go in there and tell him, Hubert, thank you. This ain't this ain't working. Well, there's if it's if it's not good enough, like if it gets bad enough, uh, I think there will be some help around Bubba pushing him towards the decision in the form of the boosters. I think there there may be some money coming his way if things were to get that bad. So yeah, I mean. That's the thing, man. We can't, guys, do not rush to judgment based on this season. I I, I mean, this is just, I, I got to be honest. I don't think that 
anybody really knows what is happening, including Hubert Davis. Like, I don't, there's, this, this is one of those seasons where it's like, how do you fix this? And we have sat on here multiple times and said, I don't really think there is a fix. Mm-hmm. So if we're saying well, that, no, oh no, oh no, the fix was on was displayed last night. I mean, but still, I, I I get that, but it wasn't exactly like you destroyed. You don't you don't have them to, in the second. You half. don't have to destroy people. You just have to win. Okay, but you think that's going to be good enough to beat some of these teams in the ACC tournament? Like you're. It, it, here's the thing: if you beat Virginia and Duke, where does that put you in the tournament field? I mean, look, they're going to have to win four games in four days in Greensboro if they want to win the ACC tournament. Yeah, well, no, but I'm saying, let's say, let's say... If they beat Duke and Virginia, they're in the field. They beat Virginia, they're in the see, field. See, I think... I, I think look, look how close they are to being in the field with no resume. Well, well They've he, done literally I, nothing. I, I got to tell you, I don't believe anything that the bracketologists say when it comes to the bubble. Like, I, like, I get it. It's That's Carolina. They should put them in. But what I'm saying is to feel real secure. I think if they win those two games, I still think they have to they have to win their first game of the ACC tournament. I think if they do that, then I think they are securely in. If not, I think there's probably some some clinched buttocks watching that tournament that that tournament reveal. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I don't think like I don't think what happened last night to Virginia. I don't think that helps. So, because I mean, where where are they at now? They got to drop that. I mean, they're probably switching places with Miami, right? You'd imagine they're probably a four on the four line, probably inching towards the five line, while Miami's probably on that three line now. They fell all the way to the last three seed last night. That's where they How are. How in the world? Dude, I, I, I don't know how that's even possible. Because that team, come on, that team's going to get beat early. So, I, I mean, I don't know. And that's the thing, is that Carolina's got opportunities here. It's now, I mean, for them, I are you with me on that? Like, for them, I think it's all about a, 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 mind, a mindset thing. Like, they've got to be in the right headspace. If they're not, if they're still feeling like, like they they have to look at everything that has happened this season. They have to put that behind them. You literally can only look at the games in front of you and basically take the mindset of we have to win every game. That's where if they were you last do, year. If you do that, yeah, and that's the thing. You've been there before. You have to be able to do that moving forward because if you're worried about what has happened so far this year, if you're listening to everybody telling you you were preseason number one, it's not gonna. It's not gonna work. I just. That's the thing for me. They have to be in the right mindset moving forward. Uh, look at the stat of the game really quick before we go to break. I went with rebounding. Uh, Carolina fifty-two thirty-three edge on the glass. That plus nineteen is their second highest of the season outside of when they out rebounded Georgia Tech by twenty-one back in December. And I told you guys. And I mean, look, I know that it was a close game and whatever, but you don't you don't rebound the way Carolina rebounded against State on Sunday and lose typically, but they lost that game. Last night, you're not going to tell me that 23 offensive rebounds that led to 23 second chance points uh, played a key part in why they, they left South Bend with the win. So uh, the, the, 
that's why rebounding, and I say it all the time, it's the most re, it's the most important part of the game. Last night, rebounding was more important than making shots because you you shot thirty three percent from the field, nine percent from three, and you still won. But you rebounded the ball, and you put and you put yourself in a position to win a ball game. So, with that, guys, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest message we have from DraftKings. And when we come back, more thoughts, more takeaways from Carolina's gutsy 63-59 win at Notre Dame. Coming up next on the Four Corners Podcast, back after this message from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back. Guys, I do this all the time with over-unders. I do it with the first three porn that's going to be made by Stephen Curry or, 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 or you know, John ja Morant, LaMelo Ball, whatever it is. Do all these same-game parlay actions at DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can do so by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all the good offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Uh, same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. We've kind of really talked about all the major takeaways I had from the game, the defense, shot selection, the rebounding. Um, so one last thing we'll get out of here was the rotation because that's something that we've kind of had to monitor from a game-in, game-out situation. And I thought at first when when Pete Nance was sitting there in the starting lineup, I thought, you know, and I even tweeted this out, and you can follow me on Twitter at HTB underscore Josh, it was Schubert just trolling us because he knows the fan base wants to see Puff Johnson in the starting lineup. But ultimately, it was the right decision. Um, Pete did have 11 points, just 3 of 12 from the field, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Scored Carolina's first 6 points of the game, but it was more about what Puff Johnson just did off the bench that really warranted that. Puff was 1 of 5 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3 from a guy who shoots less than 30% from behind the arc. Uh, scored two points, committed three fouls in just over 13 minutes. Now, there was parts in that first half where I wanted to see Carolina play four on five on offense because it was that bad that I wanted them to just walk a guy off the court on offense and have him run back the court whenever Carolina was bricking another shot. Uh, Seth Trimble played four minutes. DeMarco Dunn, who didn't play against NC State, uh, plays nine minutes, or he didn't he didn't register a minute. He played so little a time, he didn't even register a minute on the court on Sunday. Uh, he got nine minutes of action last night. 
but 0 of 4 from the field and 0 of 3 from 3. And then Tyler Nickel played the last two minutes of the first half. No points, no rebounds, no assists, and the like. And and so uh, Leaky Black played 39 minutes. The other four starters all played 33 apiece. And I think the conclusion I've gotten back to is we're, we're back where we were a year ago. You're probably playing six, seven guys at the most the rest of the way because, you know, Tyler Nickel plays with a lot of energy, but he's not – he doesn't need to be on the court in key moments. He was on the court at the, at the end of the first half, and we were lucky he didn't get exposed on either end. You know, Jalen Washington is going to play very sparingly. Um, and I get it because, you know, he's just not ready to be a consistent contributor, I don't think. Game in, He didn't have the game off out. season, man. He, did, he didn't have that offseason, well, which also, would have really helped him. Every time he checks into the game, he feels the need to shoot the ball. And there's nothing that okay. ticks me off more than a bench player who hasn't done anything the entire game checking into the game and jacking up a shot. Okay. Isn't that every bench player – that we have on this team, and and that's a problem. That's because they, yeah, you know, that's, look, that seems to be the main issue. Like is they come in off the bench and say, "All right, let me throw one up there." No, let's not do that. But look, if it's there, yes. But let's be smart about how we sh- how we take our shots here, gentlemen. Um, you know, Jordan Cornette, I think is a is a really bad broadcaster. Oh my God! Um, what, what is going on today? But but I thought I thought he did a really good job last night of, of explaining what was, or really just pointing out when the wrong guys were taking the, the the wrong shots, and it was virtually every bench player on the floor whenever they shot the ball, it was the wrong shot at the wrong time. And he, so he pointed out, I I got to be honest, he pointed out more bad shots than he pointed out good shots in the game, which kind of tells you where this team is at. It was also just a reflection of his entire college basketball career. But so oh I think that God. that's the thing with this rotation is what has Jordan Cornette ever done to you? He's just bad at his job and I don't like people that are bad at their jobs. Oh my God, uh, he can say the same thing about you, man. So when <sighs> And this is this is what's frustrating was yep. because we heard all summer about building depth, building depth, building depth, but then we didn't build depth in November and December. And look, I know Carolina played some close games, but they also played some blowouts where the starters were in there a lot too long. So we're back at a position to where really only Demarco Dunn and 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 Puff Johnson should play off the bench. And um, I, I think if if Hubert comes back to that realization, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain. Like I'm not I'm not gonna get mad if Seth Trimble doesn't play. I'm not gonna get mad if Jalen Washington doesn't play. I'm not. Not at this point in the year. If Carolina was secure in the in the tournament, I would say screw it. Give those guys some run. Let them build some experience. Let them build some confidence. Because there might be a game, a la like Baylor a year ago, where you might need them. But right now, we just don't have that luxury. And, you know, as much as Schubert Davis says that they need to play with their lives on the line, and I thought they did in that second half, you got to coach like your life is on the line, which I also thought he did in the second half. And, you know, it's not – it's not a pretty recipe by any stretch of the imagination, but these these five guys, when they're engaged on both ends of the court, I think can play with just about any five in the country. 
I, I, I truly do believe that. Yep. And so I think as much as we don't want to be back in this same position where we're playing five five guys primarily and six guys really to come in and, and give a guys a rest whenever they need to be, I ultimately do think that's where this team this team is. And you need to run you need to ride those five guys until they run out of gas. I mean, this has been one of my points really the entire seat what you know not the entire season, but really more here recently when people have talked about the rotation, is that, guys, in order for this team to get to the tournament, they have to, it's got to be these, those five guys, and yes, you, you can play some of those dudes off the bench. I agree with you. I think Puff and DeMarco Dunn are probably your guys right now. It, it's just that simple. Like, guys, the dudes off the bench behind them they're not providing much. And, I mean, there's there's this paranoia. And I get it because it's the more modern day of college basketball. So, yeah, there's there's natural paranoia about guys entering the transfer portal, um, you know, getting bigger NIL deals elsewhere, all that kind of stuff. But, guys, these, so these, these, these players knew. Seth Trimble knew when he was coming to Carolina that it was going to take time. He was going to be a developmental guy. He knew that because, first of all, he was going to be sitting behind Caleb Love. Jalen Washington, he definitely knew that it was going to take him some time. To be honest with you, he probably didn't even think he would have as big of a role as he had, you know, throughout the season so far because of the injury that kept him from being able to participate in offseason activities. So... I mean, I I think it's just it's and Tyler Nickel definitely. I mean, he that that's a guy like he he has to develop parts of his offensive game as well as his defensive game. So like, yeah, it's it's okay to realize, hey, these guys are struggling. We're frustrated with these guys. We're maybe even a little concerned that they might not be able to get it done. But at the same time, these are the guys that are going to give us the best chance. To win, and that's the point that I think everybody's just kind of got to get to, is that those those five guys are the main ones that are going to win you games down the stretch of the season. Yep. If if they're if they're not good enough to do it, then it is what it is. But you can't. I mean, you're not starting Seth Trimble in that backcourt. You're not starting Tyler Nickel. Everybody just wants to throw these random guys into the lineup. But guys, as we said earlier. These guys are doing the same exact things as the veterans. Now, the frustrating part is that those guys are freshmen. They're supposed to be making those mistakes. The veterans are not. But my point is there's not this magical fix in the rotation. I think, again, it goes back into the mindset, the confidence level of this team. If they can find that in these final three games of the regular season into the ACC tournament, then they can make the tournament. If not, it's probably all she wrote. Well, no matter what happens, no matter if this team makes the tournament or misses the tournament, we'll have you covered here as well on the website, guys, where we encourage you guys to visit HeelToughBlog.com for the latest on Carolina basketball as I'm continuing to keep you up to date with Previews, recaps, whatever news, notes comes out of the program. Of course, we'll have you covered all things for the ACC tournament as well as that all-important selection Sunday. Uh, As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. 
just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast, even if even if the review is as bad as mine, as Jordan of, of Jordan Cornette's job. Write it down. I want to know what you guys think about the job that I'm doing, the job that Anthony's doing. But more importantly, we do want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.